Don Ennis. I'm Carly Webb. You're in the Transporter Room. This week, Lila Sturges, comic book writer and founder of Trans Pizza, joins us in the Transporter Room, plus listener mail. Carly, our podcast is old enough to drink. It's 21. <laughs> our 21st episode. Well, I can tell you this much. If this podcast actually was a person, I'd say, I would say bottoms up, honestly, with with all the things that are going on right now. That's right. But don't I'll, buy I cigarettes. Will, <laughs> yeah, I will tell. Uh, no, I'm going to tell you. I was at the mall this afternoon. You were? Yes, I was at the mall this afternoon. Oh, no. And it was, it was, it was a very surreal thing, Don. You mean the social surreal. distancing and it was empty or what? No, it was very empty. No, this was, no. Who knew that the mall would be the place to go if you want to be socially distanced? Because <laughs> usually it's packed. Yeah. yeah right. Well, even on a Monday, I mean, even on a midday Tuesday, there's a decent mall crowd. I mean, I looked in the parking lot and literally there was, I mean, it, it looked more like it was Thanksgiving morning and the mall wasn't even going to open that day or Christmas morning when the mall wasn't even going to open. That's what it looked like. And inside, it was like, it was a ghost. It was a ghost town. Most well, of the you, stores yeah, were closed. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you that um, my daughter got laid off from her restaurant job. She's a hostess. So restaurants are closed. So they're not going to do takeout. They're just going to close up shop. And they laid her off. Um, she's feeling a little sick. Um, I'm worried about her. She's got a fever. She has some leg joint pain. And she had some trouble breathing but she's also an asthmatic so we're you know we got her on tylenol we have her on, on an inhaler her pediatrician monitoring her i'm wa- i'm watching her i'm worried i'm very worried i have to get on an airplane on thursday to go get my son my oldest son he's in chicago has to come home because college is basically going online and there's no point of him sitting in a dorm room he can do that at home and i you know when i go out it's like you know i tried to buy a, a thermometer today and they told me there aren't any in this hemisphere. <laughs> well, well, I ordered one. Well, Did you I order one? Good. I ordered one on Amazon. And I have a, it'll I have get a, here I this have weekend. I have an electronic one. I was looking for one of those ones you put under the tongue. The, 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 the I, I was looking for an ear one. Accurate. Yeah. Honestly, I was, ear. For a, yeah. I was looking for a small, for a small, relatively cost-effective ear one, honestly. Yeah. I know. That's, well, that's what we have, but it's not accurate. It, it has different readings for different ears. <laughs> and they're not Vulcan <laughs> ears. Um, but you know, there's no toilet paper to be found, no paper towels, people are hoarding. Even like I, I went to get butter and cheese today, and none of that in the stores. I I, oh. I am stocked up with food, so I don't think I'm gonna worry. But sooner or later, people have got to stop hoarding and, and the stores have oh, got yeah. to get back to well, normal, right? Don't Don, you think? Oh yeah, I was hitting the store today too, and I and this is how far it's gone. I how wanted to bake cook I want to bake cookies this weekend. Aww. And the particular store I went to even chocolate chips were gone, Don. And there's crisis. And there's another thing I wanted, which is like there's a particular turkey turkey hot dog. You know the those big ballpark franks. They make uh-huh. turkey franks. I'm uh-huh. usually the only one that buys those. They were all They're gone. gone. Literally, the whole hot dog shelf was gone. I mean, well, I bought I bought made- a lot of meat and chicken, and I have hot dogs and things like that. And we're good on that kind of stuff. And there's plenty of chips. I'll tell you, boy, they nobody's doing a run on chips. We seem to have lots of chips in the stores. Well, 
But the but, basic stuff like milk and butter and all those things and toilet another paper. Another thing is even like even in the relatively early into the mid even, there's still traffic on the there's no traffic anywhere. No, I haven't seen any traffic either. But I mean, you know what is you know what is happening is Idaho is the state that is preparing to send this very transphobic bill. There should be worried about the coronavirus, and instead they're worrying about transgender well, student athletes. And well, the governor's the thing, the governor's gonna well, get thing, it. We wonder if he's gonna sign it. Well, what gets me is that they fired this thing that they they just pushed this through right at the they picked the perfect time to push it through, which is right when the Senate was adjourned because of the emergency. And they just moved this bill right in. They just moved this bill right in. And and in, again, guess who's behind it? Guess who's fun, guess who funded this effort? The no, Republican but, and, yeah, but, Alliance Defending Freedom, of course. Freedom, yeah, the, the yeah, our good friends at the Alliance Defending Freedom, throwing some more cash in it. And Brad, Little, the governor of Idaho, Brad Little, he's most likely going to sign it. Yeah. Because remember, well, he said he didn't want to be a discriminatory kind of guy. I don't know what that means, but no. Well, you see, but, the only problem is anything like that goes goes un, by the wayside in an election year when you're trying to raise money. I mean, come on. Remember, look at what the Connecticut Republicans were doing here sure, for a minute. I know they were going to they were going to openly just say we're we're going to pick on trans kids to raise money. So I'm I mean, well, they weren't counting on one of the plaintiffs anymore. being so successful that they she beat. As you wrote, the transgender athlete twice in eight days. I mean, you know, trans athletes don't always win. Yeah, but of course they're not using that term when they talk about them. Go if you want to know how if you want to go how bad the misgendering gets. Check out the G. Check out the Connecticut GOP's Twitter page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, Jr. Romano. I'm calling you out. You're picking on kids. State Republican yeah. chair picking on kids. Sue Hatefield, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Oh, if, she's so, a if, demon. If, if parents, uh, if you two are parents, if someone came at your kid the way that you're coming at Andrea and Terry, how would you respond? Yeah, Andrea Yearwood and Terry Miller are yes. Connecticut trans athletes who are seniors. What, what, what a horrible senior year this must be. I mean, my daughter's a senior. All those things you look forward to in senior year, the prom, the, the, the field trips, you know, your parties, all of this, it's all going to be, you know, graduation. It's just such a shame. Be, I mean, it's necessary. Gra- don't get me wrong. Graduation I, I might don't... be mailed. Yeah. Graduation might be mailed to you. They might just mail your yeah. diplomas. It may be. I mean, my kids are starting online teaching next week. Um, and I'm, I'm teaching University of Hartford starting next, uh, starting the 31st, the 30th um, with online. By the way, we have two uh, viewer mails. One is a tweet from Terry Ellen. On Twitter, Terry wanted to remind us about Alabama. The House is close to doing a vote on banning medical treatment and therapy for gender transition and making doctors, parents, and therapists potential felons if they get that care for their kids under the age of 19, which is almost as bad as the Idaho law, which basically allows uh, schools to like inspect kids' uh, underpants and see what's inside their pants. And also Idaho Idaho's house did pass that did pass a version of Alabama's law. It hasn't gone to the yep. Senate yet. So there is also an Idaho bill that would, would, would not allow kids to, uh, or anyone transgender to change their birth certificate, which, you know, New York, thank God for New York, New York just passed a, a law. They made it legal effective immediately last week. Or, uh, yeah. Last week that the um, transgender minors, 
can change their birth certificates uh, and the gender markers without having to go through a medical examination. I think that's wonderful. Good, to, good go in New York. Now, I mean, well, but you see, I, I read your article in Forbes today. Oh, thank you. And and that's one. I mean, but it shows what we're seeing. I mean, I was saying this a few days ago. That, What's that? At, I was saying this as a matter of fact. At I was at UConn Law School last week. You were on the panel, in right? a panel. Yes, right. participating in a panel on on violence against the trans community. And the one thing I was reminding these law students was that, for all intents and purposes, from Key West, Florida, when you go from Key West, Florida, to about from Key West, Florida, to Phoenix, Arizona, from roughly from roughly Bethlehem, Pennsylvania all the way out as far as Pocatello, Idaho. That's lo- that's no trans land. Literally the whole mid- most of the midsection of the country is no trans land. Well, there are no you know right you, you know who's no in the central part of our country. You know you and I are in Connecticut, but I've got coordinates set for the central time zone. We have a special guest today. She doesn't want to talk about sports and since there aren't any sports, I think this is a perfect time for us to beam up Lila Sturges. She is a comic book writer. She is the founder and organizer of Trans Pizza on Twitter. <laughs> and we are very lucky to have her as our guest. Beam her up, Carly. Energize. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I'm here. Welcome to the Trans Sporter Room. Thanks for having me. I have a little bit of a bone to pick, which is that. Uh-oh. I, it's not that I don't want to talk about sports. It's that I cannot talk about sports because I don't know anything about them. I dread anytime it's a sports question on Trivial Pursuit or in that trivia crack game. I just don't know. It's not a question of desire. It's a question of ability. Do you think this is because of who you are or what you are? Is it because you're trans or just because you're Lila? Well, this is this is what I I, I say is that one of the best things about transitioning is that I'm never under any social pressure to know anything about sports. So I think it's, it's something that I have always felt. Um, but now it's something I can relax into. I get it. There are lots of women who love sports and lots there of gay are. men. Um, we're very lucky to have gay men and women who love sports because we wouldn't exist without it. Um, <laughs> I've always I see. I, I live in the opposite of that, Lila. I love sports. And then the first thing people say is, oh, you're not trans. I hear one of three things. Oh, you transition. So I guess that means you don't like sports anymore. Or no. you transition. <laughs> you transition. So you're one of those. Oh, did you? I actually had someone tell me this. You know, I actually had someone who is decidedly anti-trans tell me, well, you know what? If your dad would have thrown you a ball a little bit now and then, this wouldn't oh. have happened. Oh, I looked wow. at the person and said, I was my dad's quarterback in Pop Warner for three years. <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And on the other end of the spectrum, my dad threw a ball at me and I caught it with my face. And, <laughs> and as I wrote in an article that's appearing the same day as our podcast, um, my dad asked me when I left the outfield, to the bench he said i saw you out there muttering but i didn't hear you saying no batter no batter what were you saying and i was saying please god don't hit the ball to me (laughs) (laughs) i was the worst athlete i just i love sports but i cannot play i just one of those people who just doesn't have any coordination it skipped a generation what can i say lila tell us about what you're working on now and tell us 
how did you get into comic book writing? I loved Batman growing up. And I started to like the Marvel comics too with Captain Marvel and Spider-Man and, and some of the others. But Batman was my hero. And I, I, do, I did like Superman too, but mostly from TV, not so much from comics. Sure. It's funny. You know, I didn't like comics growing up. And um, what? I didn't really have um, any interest in them um, until I got to college. And I met a guy named Chris Robertson, who um, you may know as the creator of the comic book iZombie, which is the basis of the TV show. And um, he was my best friend in college. I was just talking about this today, talking to him. And he basically forced me to become a comic book fan. It was like, you don't get it. You don't know. The comics are great. And so he um, you know, prescribed me a list of very good comics and sort of opened my eyes to the entire medium. And so I, I don't know where I'd be without him. Um, and I didn't start writing comics until years later. I was in a writing group with uh, Bill Willingham, who was the creator of Fables, among other things and it was my friendship with him that got, gave me the opportunity to write my first comic which was jack of fables this of course was long before i transitioned um in those days it was very difficult for women uh to write comics there weren't very many women writers um so i had to kind of sneak in the back door and that's how i did follow it up. i just want to i want to ask one follow-up before carly jumps in i know she has a million questions what is it specifically that your friend told you about comics that are so great? I mean, I know the answer. I know what my personal answer is, but why don't you elaborate? I'm sure there must be someone listening who just, you know, wants to know more about why, why comics are so great. What does that comics do for you? It's because what I didn't realize, not having been really exposed to them, is that you can do so many things with comics. It's a vast medium that's capable of doing so much and taking you to the utter limits of your imagination. I, I think most people still, when they think about comic books, they think about superheroes. And I've written superhero comics and enjoyed them, but they're not my favorite comics. Um, the comics that I have written, the comics that I write now are not about superheroes. They're about lots of other things. And um, it's that ability to go anywhere and do anything that captured my imagination with books like um, Sandman, um, back in the day, that was the book that really changed everything for me, reading that book and realizing that comics could do literally anything. That's something that gets me interested as a reader. It, it got me so interested, I'm try, I'm going to try my hand to draw and write one this year. Yeah. I, I've decided to go for I mean, while I admit my artistic skills leave, need, leave a lot to be desired, I'm, I'm getting a lot of self-help books on how to draw people right now. But I just want to look at, I mean, what what attracted you to doing Lumberjanes? What what about that project sucked you in? Because as a reader, as a reader, it sucked me. It sucked me in in so many ways. In a sense, it was this was the friends group I wish I could have had at that age in a lot of ways. What sucked you into that project? Oh, boy, so many things. I remember the first time I sat down and read Lumberjanes. I was completely smitten with it. And it was that exact same thing, the, the feeling of this is exactly the kind of friend group that I wish that I could have had growing up, the, the people that I wish I'd known, the world that I wish I could have lived in. You know, um, one of the things that um, 
is really special about Lumberjanes is that it has a trans girl character as one of the main characters. And um, her transness is not um, focal to the story in any way, um, but it is there. And it's something we know about her character uh, and it's handled so beautifully. And so there's this magical thing about Lumberjanes where it's set in this world where everything that we would like to believe maybe as, as feminists is, is real. <laughs> that it's, it's the world that we would like to see. And I think that is to me the most engaging thing. It's also so fun. It's so, 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 so fun. And so when I got offered the chance to write it, I just said yes instantly. I didn't have to think twice. Now, I'm just wondering, is there any character you particularly identify with among the campers? You know, here's how I think about the Danes. Um, and I think anyone who writes them has this experience, which is that you sort of see them as different parts of your own personality. And so it's hard to pick a, I mean, my favorite character to write is Ripley because she's so funny. And I love writing funny characters. Um, and actually the third Lumberjanes book that we're doing is she's sort of the star of it. And I'm really excited about that. Um, but I try to put as much of myself into each character. You know, Mal is where I put all of my fears about things. And, um, and Ripley is my silliness and my id. And uh, Jen is my sort of like moralistic superego. So each character has some little chunk of me that I get to express through her. I'll just say point blank, I'm a Ripley. <laughs> I, I, grew, I grew up a Ripley. Uh -huh. I'm still a Ripley. I'm even more of a Ripley now that I'm now in my 40s than ever. No, that's uh -huh. the character I just look at. I mean, did, I could say, like I said, I mean, I can, I'm with you on how on how it just draws you in because in many ways it is the, I mean, like I said, that group is the group I wish I could have had. It is the group of friends. It's the group of friends I have now because in a lot <laughs> of ways it reminds me of the people, of some of the people I'm closest to. So, I mean, that really draws that story in. I mean, and, and also, and also the fact that it seems like have excellent, a beautiful, a wonderful creative team, and some of the people and some of that creative team have done even other wild stuff. I enjoy, so I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to I'm looking forward to this next book coming out. It's a really, really talented bunch, I tell you, and it's such a loving group of people who work on this book. Um, it's a lot of women, a lot of queer people, some trans people. Um, and it is a just a joyous experience to work on because everyone who does it does it because they love working on Lumberjanes. And so um, it creates this really nice family kind of feeling when you're doing it. It's really special. What is it about creative process and creative art that is seen to like become, in a sense, a haven for trans people in your mind? What about the creative mediums has kind of been if not a safe place, at least a safer place. I mean, I can't speak for anyone but myself, but I, I know for me, I spent so much of my life from a very early age being very unhappy in the world that I was living in. And so always wanting to imagine other worlds. And that has always been my 
my refuge, my solace has been in imagining other worlds, other places, other things, other people to be. And um, I mean, I'm probably not alone in that, or maybe trans people are just really creative, who knows? Was there any blowback? I mean, it was five years ago, you came out. I remember mm -hmm. we talked about you writing something for The Advocate about signing your name for the first time and how important that was to you. Were there yes. any people who didn't give you the support you needed or you felt, gee, this didn't work out the way I wanted or was it all successful? You know, I didn't know how the comic book community was going to uh, respond. And both fans and industry people alike couldn't have been more supportive. I mean, I was lucky in that I came out at a time when, um, you know, it's like that trans moment uh, started when everybody was like, you know, all the cool people were like, hey, we like trans people. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think there was a time before that when people were like, hey, we don't know about you guys. Um, That's when I came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a very, very soft landing. I think, you know, I think I lost maybe two people from my life when I transitioned. Ah, screw them. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing that you're probably most known for on the internet is something called, ooh, there's a sound, trans pizza. We're going to talk about trans pizza with Lila Sturges right after this break. And you're back in the transporter room. Lila Sturgis with us today. Noted comic book writer, one of the creative brains behind the Lumberjane series with us now. But we all know what you're really known for. Trans pizza. Trans pizza. On, tw on Twitter. How did that get started? I've, I've tried for it. I haven't oh, me too. yet. I kind haven't wanted about that. <laughs> I, I don't saying. expect I don't expect this podcast is going to get us a free pizza either. But I just I want to know how did you get this idea? How did I get the idea? It, I started doing it about two years ago now, I guess. And um, wow. at the time, there was kind of this joke going around on the internet that it was, you know, you'd see different people tweet things to, you know, along the lines of, you know, if you really want to support trans people, buy them a pizza. Um, and I saw this a couple of times here and there, and I thought, well, that's pretty funny. So, you know, what would be even funnier is if I actually did it. So I did a tweet and I said, you know, I'm going to buy a trans person a pizza. So respond here and I'll pick someone at random and I'll buy them a pizza. And I think like 10 people responded and I bought that person a pizza and I sent them 20 bucks and um, it was all good, clean fun, you know? And um, then someone on Twitter asked me, are you going to give away another pizza? And I thought, oh, okay, sure. And so I did it again. And while I was waiting for the replies to come in, this is where everything changed. Someone DM'd me and said, hey, what if I gave you $20 and you gave away two pizzas? And I thought, hmm, interesting. <laughs> then... Um, I, it just started happening more and more often and people kept offering to give me money to give away to trans people to buy them pizza. And I thought, I've got something here. I've got a thing that works. Um, and so with very little publicity, uh, very little effort on my part, I've been able to raise enough money to provide 
really as much pizza as I can give away. Um, I, I, it's it's really fun, and you know we make it we keep it light and entertaining, and there's always a theme, so people can reply with you know something like a, a favorite book or a favorite color or a picture of a duck or just whatever, um, and then someone wins a pizza, and um, to date we have raised somewhere around. I haven't updated the spreadsheet in a while, but it's somewhere around $12,000 oh. and um, I've given away well over 500 pizzas. Wow. Now you got to explain, how is it you pick randomly since Carly and I have never won? <laughs> well, there's a, there's a secret process that I'm not at liberty. No, I actually do have a process. <laughs> Um, and, and what I do is it's, it's, it, I used to have to do it by hand, but now it's automated. Um, cause I'm a, a web developer for my day job. Um, so what I do is I have a little, uh, a little thing that uses Twitter's API to get all of the replies to the tweet and it picks a random number and then it shows me the reply that, um, corresponds with that random number. And that's the winner. Wow. Go ahead, Carly. I know you're going to ask about pineapple on pizza. I just know it. No, I, actually, I'm not. What I'm, what I'm actually going to ask about is something really important. This was posted yesterday. The Trans Pizza Fund is going to expand. Is going to expand a little bit because the because of the current crisis. I'm going to be doing more pizza giveaways for more money while coronavirus is a thing, so people can use the money for things other for other things in addition to or the pizza. Yes, that's right. Um, you know, it's difficult to, to raise money on the internet in an equitable way. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to be the person who decides who's worthy of getting money, but when we do it this way for trans pizza, it is, um, you know, it's random. So it's, it's fair and I'm not choosing, you know, whether someone is important enough to get pizza or anything like that, you know, um, and so it works and people really enjoy, I think, knowing that the money that they give to a thing is going directly to this person. They can read the tweet and they can say, okay, well, I donated this money and this person over here got every dime of that money. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's, that's special. And I think that makes people more willing to sort of um, get involved with it because it feels personal. Um, and that's and, why I like to keep it. And connecting but, people in, the, in these times where we're all feeling so isolated, it's a really, yeah. it's a, you know, it's a really great thing that you're expanding. Although I, I, I should ask if you could maybe filter out the pineapple pizza people, because I think that would actually, you know, improve my odds. So here's the thing: as the trans pizza facilitator, <laughs> I must maintain a neutral stance on pineapple on pizza. It is a topping that is offered by many, many pizza establishments. It is a topping that is loved by many, disavowed by many. Um, I personally will not take a stance. Okay. Well, I'd like to say that I can I respect that. Free, I, I, res I respect your opinion and your neutral stance. And I also respect that Carly has a freedom and choice and an ability to poison herself with pineapple on pizza if she wishes to. <laughs> it's perfectly fine, Carly. You can have pineapple on pizza. Um, but let's let's segue, shall we, away from food 
into the 24th, almost 25th century, where Captain Picard has his own show. Mm-hmm. And Lila, do you know that Carly's been promising to watch this show since it started? And I think it's about to end, and she's finally caught up, right, Carly? Or almost caught up? Yes, I have. I've caught up. Uh, oh. I've, I've caught up to the. I've caught up to the recent action. So I'm I'm well briefed now. And you know what I've and and I found out and I found out that I'm that CBS All Access has some really good stuff. I mean, I has really and and plus there's another there's another show. The Good Fight is a show I've been I've heard a Great lot about, team. and I started with that. So mm-hmm. no, I'm I'm well up on I'm well up on Picard, and right, so what I do, will what just do you think. What do I think? Beautiful. Yeah, you like it. I really enjoyed it. I I re- I mean I really enjoyed it. I I heard all the all the different things were said about it. It's too slow, slow. If you like if you like the like next generation, you probably won't like it. I didn't see it as slow. If anything, I thought the story was set up very well. I felt that I liked the fact that there was an appreciation for the passage of time. Yeah, he's that, a that was anymore, the thing right? that blew. Yeah. That's the thing that drew me in was that there was this appreciation for that time has passed, circumstances have happened, events have happened, and I like in a, I like the way that they're really painting this very different. They're they're painting this picture, and in some ways they're doing it in Gene Rod. They're doing it definitely in Gene Roddenberry fashion. They're giving us this allegory to tell us something about ourselves. It's true. And, Modern times. And what I'm right. and yeah. what I'm reading from it is is that we are we have kind of in a sense just like Starfleet has lost its way in some ways. So mm. have we. Mm. And, but but it's not irretrievable yet. That's well, kind of the writer, thing I'm reading so let's underneath. Ask, let's ask the writer what she thinks of the writing. How do you like the show? I really enjoy the show. Um, I think it, it takes a little bit of time for the viewer to, I think some people are resistant to this is that it wants to move at its own pace. Mm. Um, and if you, if you compare it to a show like Star Trek Discovery that has a much more, um, uh, uh, typical pace for a 21st century action drama TV show, it's very slow. Yes. But if you take it on its own, on its own terms, it's very lush. And for me, I found it, it really drew me in and um, gave me a lot to look at and a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it's, it has an, it's a, there are interesting meditations on, on regret, on grief, um, on aging, these really serious topics that I think the, the show handles very deftly um so i'm really enjoying it and i really at this point don't know where it's going so I'm kind of either. You, you know what's interesting at times picard's a bit of a dick and he gets called out for being a dick you know <clears throat> troy calls him out and you know some of the some of the crew he's assembled he's he's, he's not the, the the hero that we remember from next generation he's older he doesn't have all his, um, you know, uh, skills. I'd say that he's more human than he ever was. I like that. Yes, he's been pulled down off of his pedestal in a way that's that's really humanizing. 
And I, I like that about him. It, it took me a minute to get used to the idea that Picard was no longer the sort of universally revered guy, but it makes sense. You know, he's a guy he's made mistakes. Time has, yeah. he's a guy who it feels like his time has passed in some ways. In many ways, um, yeah. And he also has a terminal illness. Um, spoiler yes. alert. Oh, spoiler alert. Um, but I will say that last week's episode for me was a little rushed. I felt like they crammed so much exposition into the episode that it just felt uncomfortable to me to have characters talking to one another for so long without any um, continuation of the action. It was a lot of action. Just I just I, I always subscribe to the mantra, show me, don't tell me when I'm a writer. So I know. agree with that. So Yeah, but, it was very much the dreaded info dump. But, yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but you know something? What's that? I mean, I know it's something that you both talk about. And see, this was interesting for me because I never, even on Next Generation, I never saw Jean-Luc Picard as like, I never saw Jean-Luc Picard as this person you necessarily put on a pedestal. Oh, okay. I always saw I always saw him as I mean I always saw that juxtaposition that I always saw him in I always saw him in the sense as the anti Kirk. Right. Kirk was the jump in James, where Angel's Futures. James thread, James like, T. Kirk puts himself Peter, on a pedestal. Yeah. He he puts himself on a pedestal just with like a woman. Shatner in some ways puts himself <laughs> on a pedestal. Yes, with but, a woman across his lap. I yeah, know. <laughs> I always I always saw Jean-Luc Picard as the person who did who did the exact opposite. And it showed in his command style. He is hmm. and it showed to me in his command style as a person who's like, no, it's not no, I have the title of captain. I realize I have to make the decisions. It's very sober, but that doesn't put me above anyone on this ship. That doesn't put me above and necessarily above anyone. What take. I'm seeing, like that, what I'm what I'm seeing with him now, I I agree in the fact that in many ways he's dealing with now he's dealing with more, in a sense he's dealing with mortality, and and that's another thing that it, that really strikes to me is because in in a sense what what got me to the place where I am right now is seeing my own mortality. And realizing that, and realizing that now is the time. I mean, no, now is the time to do those things. You don't know how much time you have. And in some ways, I'm seeing that here with Jean Luc knowing, okay, the time's ticking off. And speaking of which, how do I want to end? <laughs> want to open the mailbag? Uh, I, um, an email here from uh, Lance Ballantine. Lance Ballantine wants the transporter room to answer how come the media and the coronavirus are saying the no coronavirus are saying the numbers of men and women contracting this virus but you never seem to mention the made up 73 other genders can you explain why the news isn't mentioned the 73 made up genders <laughs> are we up to 73 now god i didn't know it was up to 73 sorry lance i, I haven't been wait, counting I, I, actually i think lance is shooting low <laughs> <laughs> think... well i told i told lance we'd answer in the podcast and he's right he wrote back i would listen but tomorrow i'm supposed to hit my foot with a hammer so all right oh, but no man. but no that's a question i do want to ask with all the incredible things you've done as a writer in if writer and in a sense in the public eye, but also with this with this huge undertaking with Trans Pizza that you've put together and and by word of mouth and Twitter have built 
such a following that's raised a lot of money, helped a lot of our community, especially with all, I mean, with all these things you've done and being kind of a known name in the community, your thoughts on your thoughts on all the backlash that you're starting to see, especially for example, all these bills that seem to be gaining a lot, a lot of traction and seem to be multiplying in a lot of state houses over the last few months. I think, I think there's a couple of things going on. One is that there's this cyclical and cynical desire to use trans people as um, political pawns, right? Um, we saw this with bathroom bills a few years ago. That was the cause celeb. Nobody talks about bathroom bills anymore. Now it's about trans kids. Um, it's just whatever they think will get people to the polls. And we're easy punching bags because we have no power. We can't fight back. What am I going to do? You know? Um, so I think in, in that way, we are safe to attack. Um, I think also trans people act in a way as a receptacle for all of society's insecurities about gender, specifically, that we are seen as a demonstration that gender is not this um, monolithic, or I guess, duolithic structure. Um, and that frightens people because staying in people's gender lanes um, is very rigorously policed in our culture. And so if you step out of line like trans people do, that causes a lot of anxiety to the people who have been taught that staying in those lanes is of utmost importance. So I think it's it's kind of a combination of that that cynical need to find a, a whipping girl and the um, the more unconscious insecurity that our existence poses for a lot of people that make us kind of like the ideal target. Julia Serrano wrote a book called Whipping Girl. She did about I have a signed about, copy. I'm very proud yeah, of it. About about how people just can't seem to get their minds around the transgender experience. Um, a friend of ours, Carly and mine, uh, Hannah Simpson, came up with this idea to help people understand trans people because most people cannot figure out, well, how can you not know who you are? Well, we know who we are. It's that who we aren't is more important. And she wrote for uh, Refinery29 and made a video in which she asked people, are you lefty or righty, Lila? I'm a lefty. If I asked you to write your name with your right hand, how would that turn out? <clears throat> Not right. Right. And imagine all your life you wrote with your right hand. And then suddenly I came along and said, try writing with your left hand. And you would say, oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is how I should be living. That's what being trans is like. And I try to explain this to people. And I think except for the ambidextrous people, most people get <laughs> it. That it's, it's, it's as natural as being a lefty or a righty. That if you're not using the right, the, the, the hand that's natural to you, then you're not living true. I wish more people would understand that. Hopefully by sharing this message with people, Hannah, Carly, you and I can maybe open up some minds. Even Lance's mind. Maybe Lance will learn from this. Who knows? First off, I just think Lance shouldn't even touch hammers or touch tools of any kind. He's be a, a lot tool, safer right. that way. <laughs> oh, Don, me. Oh, Your boss come came on. out in that one, Don. You know he was baiting us. Listen, if you ever do want to contact us, you can reach us at the Transporter Room on Facebook, the Transporter RM on Twitter, 
and of course throughout sports. Lila, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And if folks want to participate in Transpizza, they can just follow me on Twitter at Lila Sturgis. I just want to say thank you. I mean, thank you, thank you for not only just talking for not only talking about it, and but also be Transpizza's example of being about it, especially as we're heading into this month towards Trans Day of Visibility. It's mm-hmm. good to see more and more of our people out, and also in these times, now I mean for all of us. Be kind to your fellow trans person. We're all we got. We all we need. Lila, thank you. Yeah, we have to take care of each other. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Beaming you down. Take care, Lila. Bye-bye. Well, you know what? Maybe she doesn't know anything about sports, but she knows a lot about being a human being. And I'm really glad we got a chance to introduce her to all of our listeners. Well, in a sense, there was a sport. there's a sports angle to this. Oh, because yeah? Because what do we- well, for starters, what do we eat when we're watching a game? Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> so there, but but also in a in a deeper sense, there's a lot no a lot of the things that Lyle was talking about also apply uh, it applies to, it applies to sports in many ways because sports is just another level of creativity. And you're dealing and the character, especially in Lumberjanes, She's writing about the very characters that when I'm playing a ball game, I try and channel those. You try and channel those same things. So I mean, not not a sports fan, but definitely very timely. And plus, again, with all the things going on, we need with all the with all the tough things that are going on. I mean, with these with these bills, with people that are just that are just opening with people like like Lance, for example. And, and the coronavirus. And, I mean, yeah, and right course, now is and, a good time to expand our horizons, right? I mean, not yet, but also now is a good time to again to squat up, to yeah. really come together, be come together, work together. In a sense, in a sense, be be the best of what Jean Luc Picard represented, because to me, that's what Jean Luc Picard represented as a captain. That it's not about it's not about me. It's ultimately about us. And what we do and everything we do as a unit. And I think another thing in, in Picard I've noticed is that now, in a sense, he's got a new unit to put together. And, I, and, if, and if more than anything else, I think that's what that character wants more than anything else. Just that, not so much that last hurrah to command, but to just have, to just have a team around him again. That's chasing Make, the yeah. goal together. Yeah, make it so, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This week on LGBT in the Ring, Brian Bell hosts a roundtable discussion about the circumstances around WrestleMania's cancellation, the apparent standoff with the city of Tampa, and how the cancellation has caused a ripple effect throughout the pro wrestling industry as a whole. That's LGBT in the Ring, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the Outsports Podcast Network. Until next week, Carly, I will see you around the transporter room. And I'll see you and hey, Don and all of us. Take care of each other, look after each other, and wash your hands. Wash your darn hands. <laughs> Take care, Carly. You too.